Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. I am a female leader in the pro sports industry, and each week I interview women in the sports business to teach you the tips and the mindset that will get you to the next level faster. Did you know that less than 25% of leadership roles in the sports and entertainment industry are held by women? We've got work to do. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. So I am here as your host to bring visibility to women who are crushing it in their roles. Join me week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. We will lead you forward because leadership is female. Hey leaders, let me be blunt. Sometimes in order to level up, you've got to get a new job. Because of this awesome community we have created here for engaged sports professionals and leaders in adjacent industries, opportunities are floating to this community. Do you want to hear about them? I want to share these new opportunities with you. Recently, I've included listings of available jobs in our newsletter and will continue to do so. If you aren't on that newsletter list, you can add your email at leadershipisfemale.com. And if you are hiring, email me at my personal email, emilyjansen at gmail.com, so that I can share your open role. If we want to continue to add diverse, talented leaders to our businesses, we have to look for new ways to recruit this diverse talent. 80% of our listeners on the Leadership is Female podcast are women. Find your next great hire here. Let's go. Kelly Reitenauer is Senior Vice President, Sponsorship Marketing at KeyBank. A graduate of Canisius College and D1 volleyball player, she's been involved in sports for as long as she can remember. Kelly took that passion in sports, married it with marketing, and grew a successful career on the corporate side of partnerships. Kelly is an accomplished marketing professional and experienced relationship manager with a reputation for consistently meeting and exceeding sales and marketing goals. Known as a consummate professional and leader who is passionate about generating and nurturing profitable and productive relationships, Kelly is incredible. She's a native of Buffalo, New York, and current resident, mom of three, Peloton rider, thoughtful leader who is asking all the right questions to ensure she's able to change and adapt quickly to optimize her career and the brand partnerships she works on every day. If you are into sports marketing and really cool people, this episode is a must listen. Kelly shares so much knowledge with us today. There's no doubt her advice will A, give you new perspective or incredible reminders to crush your next partnership marketing deal, or B, inspire you to lean into your unique qualities and work on growing those qualities that come naturally to you. Kelly's awesome, and I really enjoyed this conversation, and I know you will too. So let's go. Welcome to the Leadership is Female podcast. Kelly Reitenauer, Senior Vice President, Sponsorship Marketing at Key Bank in Buffalo, New York. So yes. good to talk to you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I'm so pumped. We share um, a mutual friend in the yes. industry and she made the introduction. So big thank you to Jenna. Um, we've been chatting before we hit record and already found out we're both moms of three. We're both Peloton <laughs> obsessed. So oh, clearly yeah. this is going to be a great yeah. event. Jenna, Jenna did good. Jenna did good. She's a rock star. So I owe her one for this. <laughs> So tell us, Kelly, who you are and what you do. Yeah, thank you. Um, so my name is Kelly Reitenauer. As you said, um, I am the Senior Vice President of Sponsorship Marketing at KeyBank. Um, my 
my role at KeyBank, which I guess I should take a step back, KeyBank is uh, one of the biggest regional banks. Um, we have a really diverse footprint. Um, it is kind of the, we call it the smile. So we run from Portland, Oregon, all the way to Portland, Maine. Um, we've got a little bit down the East Coast and we also hit Alaska. So it, it's a pretty diverse uh, footprint, 26 um, markets. Uh, my job for the bank is to leverage our sponsorship portfolio on the marketing side. So anything, we consider uh, marketing sponsorships, anything that's a little bit more transactional. I pay you Y, you give me X. Um, and I take those partnerships and I try to leverage them in the most unique and engaging way, um, barring some credibility from the team, um, driving our message out. Um, so our portfolio is comprised of over 50 plus partners. Some large, some small, um, vast majority is in athletics. Um, so, so we really spend a lot of time there trying to talk to the fans, um, trying to engage with them in a meaningful way, meet them where they are. So that's, that's really my, my job on my day-to-day -day job, but um, a little bit about me, born and raised in Buffalo, New York. Um, I graduated from Canisius College um, with both my undergraduate degree there in communication studies as well as my master's in sport administration. Um, Canisius is a, a division one school. I played volleyball there. So athletics has kind of been, not kind of, but it's been a part of my life since day one um, and still continues to be today. I just happened to do it on the brand side, which is exciting. But I live in Buffalo um, with my husband, Matt, and our three kiddos. I've got two girls, Grace and Alice, who are 10 and nine. And then I've got my little guy, Ben, who is three years old. Oh man, so much here. I love yeah. all of this. Like, first of all, we interview a lot of people team side. So it's so fun to turn the mic around to the partner side of things. And, and I want to ask you more about what do you consider when you partner with a team? What are those invaluable pieces that you need in order to make the deal work and uh, your brand soar through theirs? Yeah. You know what? It, it is really interesting. I think in my life um, before, before getting to where I am today, I was, I was going to go team side. Like there was nothing that was going to stop me. I didn't even think about being brand side. I was going to work for a team and, and that's just what it was going to be. And then, you know, your career folds in front of you and or folds out in front of you. And all of a sudden I've only been brand side. So it's definitely different. Um, it is constant education, whether it's education from an external standpoint, whether I'm working with, with our sponsorship properties um, and educating them about, you know, what is it, what does it mean for my brand, whether it's, it's KeyBank or, you know, I previous life worked for Dick's Sporting Goods, um, worked for First Niagara Bank. You know, I'm constantly educating people about what does my brand mean? What are the values that we stand for? What are the business objectives that we are working for? Um, but then I'm also taking, Emily, I'm also taking that education and I'm flipping it around internally too, because not everybody has the background in sports marketing and or sponsorship marketing. And it, it isn't just, you know, hang out and go to cool events and, you know, there's a science behind it, right? And there's a true value that we're bringing back 
Um, there's a there's a true engagement that we're having with consumers um, that you kind of don't get anywhere else. So I'm, I'm constantly also educating internally to say this is how we should be approaching it. This is what is going on in our industry. And, and here's why we should spend those dollars in this channel versus some other more traditional channels. Um, so it, there's just a lot. It's a, it's a lot of um, internal and external. I think that's why why I like it um, so much. Um, but to talk a little bit about what I'm looking for, if that's where you want to, I can, I can dabble in that. Um, you know, there's a few things that we need to see from a, from a marketing standpoint. And, and I like to focus on the partnership of it. And I know that sounds a little cliche, but um, I, yes, we are going to pay you and you're going to give us these assets and it's going to be lovely, but I need to see a couple things up front, right? Um, have, has this group or this organization put some thought into what, what they're putting in, in front of us? There's nothing, that, the worst conversation is, hey, I'd like to learn about you and your brand objectives. And it's like, oh, so how do you, if you don't even know about me and my brand objectives, how do you even want to know you want to learn from, from me, right? So I, I would hope that they're reaching out because they've done their homework, um, that my brand is one that they want to work with just as much as um, I'd want to work with them. Um, and flexibility, um, business objectives are ever changing. And I need to be able to turn to my partners and say, hey, last year we were on this trajectory and we were going down this path. But you know what? This year we see this opportunity. And now how do I go make that happen with this channel? So those are just a couple things um, as I think about what are we looking at um, when, we, when we sit down and talk with potential partners. Yeah. And I, I really like the, the first bullet you said about has the group put some thought and, and done their homework. And yeah. From the team side, it gets a fine line in sales where you want to have this exploratory conversation with a new partner, but how do you go in like from the team side, having done your research, but wanting to have an open conversation about how the the partnership could unfold? Mm -hmm. Because I would want to learn from you, like what are, what are your words for the brand and how you'd want to see this happen. But you also, from the team side, don't want to look like, I don't know anything about this person. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's kind of that like fine line where you don't want to go in with like a, a generic pitch book and be like, here's the radio assets. Here's the TV asset, you know, but you also don't want to blow in there and be like, we're going to do this giant cause marketing program about health and fitness. And you're like, that's great. My whole like value system is about like, I don't know, financial wellness, right? So, so you, you, you have to balance that. Um, but what has always impressed me are the, the teams that have been able to find that balance and, and maybe they've reached out across their league and said, Hey, I see that, you know, this, you know, your brand, you partner with X team. And I spoke to X team, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and we had this conversation and I know that you're trying to achieve this with them. And that's where they've put their you know, that's where they put the energy behind their sponsorship. Is that something that for this market you see as an objective, right? So, so it, it's, you don't need to know everything in, in, but you just need to know enough. I think that we could have that meaningful conversation. So that's just always something I look for. Totally. That yeah. is such great advice for all the sellers listening yeah. to this conversation. Yeah. And I don't you know. envy all the sellers, by the way. So yeah. that's, that's probably why I'm a brand side. It's a tough <laughs> job. It is a tough it job. Is. You got to put a lot of lines in the water. Yeah. And sometimes the, the sales cycle can be years that you're building relationships before the budget is available to get the partnership done. 
hundred percent. And and for us too on the brand side, you know, there are when we look across, you know, the industry, there are teams and organizations that we want to work with that whether it's we can't because they're tied up in a, an exclusive relationship or or we don't have the budget to expand. So so we're constantly keeping keeping those lines of communication open, but also trying to set expectations and not strain people along. So it is it is quite the the game that we all have to have to play, but um, it's exciting. Yeah. And you mentioned you work for some major brands, Dick's Sporting Goods and Fisher Price, and then you moved to finance for First Niagara (laughs) Bank and then Key Bank, where your role has centered around partnership marketing, as we've been talking about. So what are the key skills that have helped you to succeed in these roles and make it to SVP? No small (laughs) title. So (laughs) here's to you for that. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's kind of crazy if you would have told 20, 23, 24 year old Kelly that, you know, she'd be working for a financial institution. Um, I would have said, what's a financial institution, right? So, um, you know, it, it, these are how these things unfold and, and it's awesome um, where, where you go. But I think, um, gosh, when I think about the skills um, from, from having those transferable skills, like what has, what have I carried with me? Um, I would say, you know, the ability to adapt to change. Um, we are it just like with anybody, I think, you know, you're in a constant state of optimization. You are trying so hard to constantly make sure you are putting your energy and your resources behind the, the right thing. And then not only behind the right thing, but what is the next best thing that's coming up if that right thing turns out to not be the right thing. So um, your ability to kind of stand in there and adapt to change, um, test quickly, um, learn quickly, fail quickly, all, all of the, the things that you say, but, but really just being able to adapt to, to the environment. Um, you know, I, I spent some time at Dick's Sporting Goods doing retail and my energy was, was driving sales and driving traffic in the doors. And now my energy is behind a whole slew of things, whether it's growing our client base, whether it's providing, you know, a great brand experience for our customers. And as a financial institution, like that's not, that's not natural, right? Nobody, nobody goes to a game hoping that their bank is there. Like it's just, you know, but, but we want to be there. Right. So, so just being able to adapt um, to the change that you have around you. Um, The other thing I would say is being able to see beyond what's in front of you. So sponsorship, marketing, you know, we used to, I used to refer to it as kind of that non-traditional space, but then it got very traditional, right? You go to a game and you see all the brands are up there and you, and you see all the LED lights going on. You see the in-game promotion and, you know, you're going to get a a free chicken sandwich if somebody scores and like you start, you know, that starts to become part of, of the game experience, but that's a lot, right? And there's a lot of partners in there. So we want to see what's beyond that. So what is that next best thing? So just to be uh, the ability to, to kind of take a step back, assess what you have going on and say, what if we do that? Right. So, so those things I think are, are just what I've been able to kind of keep in the back of my mind that if I want to keep moving forward and, and advance myself, my team, my, my company, um, I've got to be able to do those two things in order to, to bring us, to bring us through. Yeah. And speaking of seeing beyond what's in front of you, the sort of 
traditional marketing inside of the stadium. Yeah. What has been the best pitch you've ever received? Oh my gosh. What has been the best pitch that, <laughs> you know, um, there have been to everyone's credit. I think that COVID has given us all a space to operate in the, but what if we tried this or, you know, that, that new, new way of thinking, um, you know, we've had some, some partners approach us about if <laughs> giant um, advertising out outdoors. I mean, I'm talking skywriting, right? Like during a game, like, Hey, what if we do this? What if we, what if we reach people when they're, you know, watching the game and we put something on there that says, you know, everyone run to your window, go look up, you know, like there's some different, um, there's some different and really quirky ways that um, I think people are pushing the envelope, which is awesome. Um, but trying to also do it in a way where it's not a stunt and it's part of the experience is continues to be the challenge. But um, those are some of the fun things that I think come our way and that have come our way in the past. Yeah, I like what you said there. Not a stunt, but yeah. part of the experience. Yeah, yeah. And- that's got to be a good balance for someone like Key Bank, where you are this very well-established financial institution in all of these markets. Stunt marketing is probably not something that you're going to lean into. No, we, you know, we don't, we don't want to, right? Like we, we, um, we want to build credibility and trust um, with our consumers. Um, you know, we want to continue to enhance the credibility and the trust that we have with our own clients. So the other thing that I've taken on in, in 21, um, in addition to sponsorship is experiential marketing, and it is a more intimate engagement. How I view it as more intimate engagement with the brand that's meaningful. Um, Emily, how can I let you be a part of who our key bank brand, but make it meaningful and impactful to you. And the last thing I want to do is do some, you know, big stunt that we fly in and we fly out and, oh, wasn't that great. But what does that really do for Emily? Right. So we want to make sure that it can be great. It can be big and it can be flashy and it can be this really cool idea, but it has to be impactful and meaningful at the same time. So, so those are um, just, you know, kind of gut checks that we keep along the way, whether we're doing sponsorship activations or whether we're doing experiential marketing um, out on our own. That's such great insight. And one of the things that you're known for and that you are (laughs) best at is generating and nurturing profitable, productive relationships. So what are your keys to success in this area of business that make you, you know, so uniquely successful in, in that? Well, thank you for, for recognizing that. Um, that is something that I think it just, um, creating these nurturing and profitable relationships, it's, it's just kind of a must have, I think in, in the, in the space that we operate today, um, you know, you, you need to have shared set of values. You, you need to lean into business with people that you, that you trust. Um, so when I sit down at a table to, whether it's internally or externally, right. Um, there are some things that I want to establish right at the start, um, clear objectives and expectations on both sides of the table. So I want to make sure that I have an understanding of what I want 
and what I expect out of this relationship. And I want to be clear about that because we're not going to get anywhere if I'm hoping they read between the lines or vice versa. Um, I have to understand what people expect of me and what they are willing, that they are hoping to get out of this relationship. So really understanding who I'm sitting across the table from and, and what, they're, what they're expecting from me and vice versa. Um, the other thing is accountability. You know, we're all moving really fast. We're all wearing 25 different hats. Um, accountability, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean I've got to go get it done the second I leave this office. Um, but it means that I have to get it done, right? And I, I want, Emily, if you and I are, are engaging in a relationship now and we're going to be working closely, I want you to know that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it done um, and that you can hold me accountable if I don't. You know, it's not always going to be pretty. Balls are going to drop. Things aren't going to go our way or whatever the case may be, but I'm going to own up to it I'm, and, and we're going to carry it through. So I think holding um, myself accountable and by holding myself accountable, I hope and I try to enforce that you should also be holding yourself accountable, right? Because it, it's a shared relationship there. So that's that's something. And then the last thing that I really try to focus on and establish right out the gate is, is empathy. So I have been told I'm a, I'm a feeler. I, I'm an empathetic person. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm a pushover. It just means that I'm going to understand where you're coming from to the best of my ability so I can make sure that the relationship that we are working together um, on, the project that we're, we're seeing through, is I'm going to understand where you're coming from um, just so I can understand your perspective and your point of view and and. Um, it's not going to always be met with, you know, harsh words if we don't get along or, you know, if we don't agree or if we do agree, I'm going to know why. Like, I just want to make sure that I'm putting myself in that other person's shoes right out the gate to to form that relationship. Yeah, so beautifully stated that your keys to these productive relationships are one, uh, clear objectives and expectations. Just hearing you restate that. Mm -hmm. helps me to, to think of like the time you've sat across from people at the table and you're like, all right, what are we doing? What are we trying to do here? Let's figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Let's figure it out. Let's be accountable for it. And let's be empathetic to yeah. each other's situations. And Absolutely. really it's taken you to these incredible heights in your career. And such a good reminder for all the listeners that just honing in on those interpersonal skills is really going to help you to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, um, it sounds kind of crazy when you're sitting here, but, um, a lot of my past experiences where the room has been tough or the phone calls have been tough or the outcomes haven't been great. Nine out of 10 times I found because we either had, you know, an expectation that wasn't a shared expectation. There was some sort of miscommunication and if you take a moment and establish that space from the from the get-go, the ability to have a conversation midway through that project or that relationship to say, hey, I think we're taking a wrong turn and here's why, is so much more impactful than marching two separate directions and trying to figure out why you're in two separate places at the end. 100%. So is there a hurdle that you had to overcome in your career that you can share with us? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just spoke to it. So I, I, I said that the, 
one of the things I try to do is up front is establish empathy and, and try to put myself in, in another person's shoes. Um, you know, as, as great as that sounds and as, as, as pretty as that sounds, it's also, um, it's been a challenge for me and it and candidly, I'll get vulnerable here. It, it's still a challenge that I'm working through. So I, I can say that I'm working to overcome it. Um, you know, the fact that I'm a feeler, I'm emotional, I'm sensitive, um, it, it, you know, it can be misconstrued. And I actually would misconstrue it myself and say, oh my gosh, I'm a weak leader or, oh my gosh, I second guess myself all the time. And, oh, what is this person across the table thinking? Do they not like me? You know, like all of these things I thought were negative. And it wasn't until recently that someone um, kind of, you know, metaphorically slapped me in the face and was like, your superpower is your ability to be empathetic. Like that is your that's what you bring to the table. When you sit down with a group of people, like you are the one pulling, you're the one reading the room. You're the one, you know, um, making sure that everybody is, is bringing their, their best selves. And, and you need to, you need to figure out how to harness that and use it and view it as a positive rather than a, Oh, I'm a pushover. I want to make sure this person's okay. And I don't want to step on their toes. So it's hard. I will say it's something I'm still working to overcome. So hopefully we can talk again and I can tell you how I overcame it. But, you know, there are there are practices that I'm putting into place um, on how to leverage my empathy as, quote, that that superpower. Um, you know, and when I'm in a, in a place where people need my guidance or there's a place where tough decisions need to be made, how is empathy helping that situation rather than my previous mindset of, oh, I can't, I can't help in that situation because I'm, I'm too emotional. So it's something that I'm working to overcome. So how about that? <laughs> I'm so happy you shared that. And that moment where you described empathy as your superpower yeah. gave me full body, like, <laughs> like emotion. Yeah. And I just, I just so felt that for you and mm. understanding that something you thought was a detriment to yeah. your progression was really one of your biggest assets and yeah. now trying to understand how to harness that into being an even bigger, better leader. Yeah. Um, you know, that at the table, you kind of want like a Swiss army knife of people with different capabilities mm -hmm. and yours is one that is, it, it's not universal. So yeah. understanding how you can harness that, um, what a great story. Thank you. Yeah, for sharing. It, oh, of course. Thanks for asking. It, it was, it was that moment for me too. When, when, when my friend said it to me and I just kind of sat back in my chair and I was like, Kelly, you think, and then she continued to tell me why she thought, and you know, the tears started flowing. I was like, yes, you're right. So <laughs> Let's go. I love it. And and you were talking to me a little bit about a tipping point before we hit record today. Yeah. Um, what's, what's been the tipping point for you? Well, I will, I will tell you, um, I think the tipping point, and I'm sure that I'm going to have others in my career. Right. Um, but this one, you know, my biggest tipping point, and I think a lot of people can probably relate to this was coming out of the pandemic. Um, it wasn't, the pandemic itself. I think, um, you know, I recognize that that 2020 had had many, many, many hardships. Um, if I if I put a very narrow lens and think about 2020 from a career perspective for for myself, I found it interesting because we were all in the same space. 
yes, the world shut down, sports came to a screeching halt. All of a sudden, you know, all of the, the sponsorship dollars that we were spending at KeyBank weren't getting used, right? And, and that value was dropping. So it was very clear to me and my team, um, by the way, I have an amazing team, um, who were able to step in and say, all right, we got to figure out what we do with this. And, and that was our space. But what I thought was very challenging and almost my tipping point was 2021, um, personally and professionally, because every I, my perspective was we had that now what moment, right? Um, sports were kind of back, they kind of weren't. Um, nobody could be in the stadium. Half people could be in the stadium. What are we doing here? What's the right thing to do? Where do we spend these dollars? And oh, by the way, I'm a mom of three and a wife and my kids are learning school, you know, in their bedroom, but I'm on a call and I got to take this call, but they can't log on to their class. And, you know, how do I know that they're okay? Um, How do how do you just keep it all balancing? And that was really the tipping point for me um, for 2021, where I just had to take a step back and, and I've, you know, division one college athlete, um, worked, you know, professionally since I got out of college, like, you know, I, I have my, this is what I do and this is what I do and this is what I do. And then all of a sudden it was, I don't know what to do. Um, so I had to learn how to give myself grace, um, which is funny because my daughter's name is Grace, but grace isn't something that I always gave myself. And I had to push in really hard to say, you just, you can't do it all. And I wasn't doing anybody a service, whether it was my family myself, my friends, um, my work, you know, when, when you're, you're half in everywhere, um, it was really challenging. And, and that's, that's something that I spent some, some time struggling with in 21 was kind of the now what type of mentality. We are all busy professionals, right? That's why I'm always looking for the best products that are both convenient and make life easier. Mobot water bottles are one of these products. Mobot is a beautifully designed water bottle and foam roller in one. This company is female founded and led, which is huge for us at Leadership is Female and supports our core philosophy to elevate women. I use the water bottle at the gym, staying hydrated in boot camp and then flipping the bottle on its side at the end of camp to quickly foam roll my legs. It helps so much with recovery and it feels good. Get yours at mobot.com and use the code leadership is female to get 15% off. Support Lanny, the female founder of this product, and support yourself. This is a must-have wellness product. Visit mobot.com and use the code LEADERSHIPISFEMALE to get 15% off today. Yeah, I think we all resonate with that and your explanation of what you went through so much. It was, it was the and then, and the whole like doing it all and having it all needed to be redefined. Like I believe, I believe in that saying, but I believe in it in a way that you have to constantly revisit doing it all and having it all. Isn't just always adding to your life. Yeah. It's not just taking more. (laughs) No. And I, and I, that's something I think maybe we uniquely struggle with as, as women and as moms, particularly in this age when you're in your later, later thirties. And it's like, you know, you're crescendoing like through your career. And then all of a sudden you look and you have all these things, you have these yeah. kids, these people, these teams, this job, <laughs> a husband, a house, like yeah. it just keeps going. And it's like, all right, well, 
we need to stop for a second and redefine like what's included in my all. (laughs) Exactly. How do I prioritize what my all is and how do I become okay with saying, you know what, this right now is not in my all and I have to push it aside. And I mean, that's not something I think as, as females, we want to ever do or say, right? Because I think to us, it admits defeat. And when it's actually harder to actually do that and push it aside than it is just to take it all in. So um, it, it's, it's a mind, it, it's a mind game that I think, um, boy, like when I think back, I'm like, I don't even remember 21. <laughs> I just don't even remember it. 21 was, I agree. It was yeah. harder. Yeah. It was, it was so hard getting back to it. And not, and like, how do you how? after, after what happened? Mm-hmm. Totally. And you, you have a tool Mm. This, uh, we share these things in yeah. our, in our homes that helped you through it. What was it? Yeah. Um, so, so my Peloton, um, is my best friend and, uh, <laughs> it, we ordered it in, in 2020 and right at, at the start of the pandemic, I thought, oh man, I'm going to sit in this house and things aren't going to get pretty. Um, so I, I need to, I need to find an outlet. I need to have some exercise in my life. And, we, we ordered our, our Peloton and um, I don't know, I, again, five years ago, I can't believe I'm actually saying this out loud, not, let alone on a podcast, but I, I don't know where I'd be without my Peloton, right? It, it's kind of that moment for myself that I didn't realize I needed. And I have no shame in needing that moment anymore and saying, you know what, I'm going to ride the bike. Like everybody you know, take care of, take care of yourselves for a second. Cause I just, yeah, it, it's just something, it's the adrenaline, it's the movement. Um, it's the commitment. I think also that drives me is it, it's the commitment to that moment for myself that I, that I think, um, is, has become so strong. So whether there are some days, I'm not gonna lie, Emily, where I'm like, Oh God, I'm not doing this today, but I will do a meditation or I will do something associated with that app because I just need that moment. I am so happy you shared that. And for everyone who's listening, like it doesn't have to be Peloton, but it has no, to be something. Yes. It has to be something that is yours. Absolutely. It could be so, running or knitting yeah. or sewing or coloring. I mean, like anything, um, but something to clear the mind. Yeah, absolutely. That you, you do not feel guilty about needing for, for that time for sure. Yeah. It's, um, it, it's like a miracle machine. I can be in the worst headspace. Yeah. And then I go listen to Robin. I was just going to ask, I was going to ask, I was like, is, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, Miss Love. Yes. Those are my two, those yes. are my two uh, favorites for sure. What about you? Um, I go back and forth between, um, I'm a big Olivia fan and a big Alex Toussaint fan. So um, those are my favorites, but if I, if I need a good, a good laugh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm riding with my friend Cody. I mean, it just doesn't get any better than having a stressful meeting and then deciding that I need to go hang out with Cody Rigsby for a little bit. <laughs> yes. These feel like real people. Don't they? Like they, I mean, why I talk about them. They're like my friends and family. I, I don't get it. <laughs> wow. Yes. I, I love that. And anyone who has Peloton is nodding their head right now as they're listening. And who doesn't is like, what? (laughs) What are you talking about? This is not a commercial for Peloton, although we do support your purchase of Peloton here on the Leadership is Female podcast. (laughs) 
So is there a goal that you're working on in 2022? Yeah. Um, you know, I've been given some, I, I, I work for, um, a gentleman who, who's a, who's a great friend of mine, leader, um, does not shy away from giving me the advice when I need it. Um, and you know, I, I've taken some of his advice for 22. I'm really working on moving from a manager to more of a leader. Um, trying to articulate, if you will, the vision that I have for, for my team. So, so where do I want to take sponsorship marketing? Where do I want to take experiential marketing and articulate that vision? So my team feels empowered to go and act against that. Um, and really trying to, to set that space for them. Um, I tend to be a fixer. I tend to be a boiler or an ocean person and somebody brings me something and I immediately jump at the problem and, you know, want to get in there and they're not even done talking. And I'm like, we should do this, this, and this. And they're like, you're not listening. So trying to be more of a, 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 a guider of the vision, if you will, than, than more of, you know, um, more of a manager. So trying to put some of that empathy to work, if you will. Yeah, it's so, so well put, but I want to rewind a little bit to yeah. you receiving that feedback. Yeah. And what that was like to create that vision with presumably, you know, yeah. a colleague or boss of yours yeah. that said, Hey, like less managing, more leader. Yeah. Give my, give my team the space to, to do what they do. Um, it was good. You know, I, I think I, I come from that place of um, wanting to people please sometimes. So I, I do crave the, the, the feedback from people, um, good, bad, lay it on me. I, I want to, I want to work through it. I want to embrace it more. Um, so, so getting that, that feedback of, you know, I want to work on having you become more of a, a visionary leader and, and setting that, setting that top and then articulating down and, and having your team develop the plans that get back to that top. Um, you know, I actually felt pretty good to be honest with you because it was like, okay, I can, I can, I can focus on that. Right. And, and as somebody who can tend to be a, a fixer and a people pleaser, you know, you, you want to get right in there with your team and you want to support them and you want to work side by side. But, you know, sometimes that's probably um, something I need to pull back on and realize that they can go do that. And, and it's going to be just fine. Um, and it's not even at them. It's just at, it's just, just the me portion of that. Like I, I like to do that and I like to be in the weeds and I like to have, have the action, but, but let's set the vision and let's see it come to life. And um, it doesn't mean that you can't get down there when, when you need to, but uh, it is kind of cool to, to step back and think, okay, well, this is how I see this working. And this is why, and here's how I think we're going to attack this. And then let's go at it. So it, it, it was, it was well-received. Um, it was very nicely delivered and um, something that I felt was tangible for me um, to be able to work on. So, yeah. And I, I hope everyone heard, really heard that, that the grace that you had in receiving that message and then saying, okay, I hear this. And now here's what I can do with this. Yeah. And so you were receiving the message and you were excited yeah. to work on it and, and to get better. And I, that's just so powerful when we can be so nervous or worked up about getting feedback that might be perceived as negative 
Yeah. Um, what an amazing example of, of a great way to take feedback, make it productive and yeah. getting excited about growing as a leader. Yeah. Thank you. You know, that's, that's something I, I, I think that when we're given, um, feedback is, you know, immediately what I try to tell myself, whether I listen to myself or not is, Hey, let's not take this personally. Let's, let's realize the action items behind making that those suggestions come to life. You know, um, if you agree with those suggestions, great, let's go, let's go bring them to life. And that's kind of, I heard it. I actually agreed with it. And, you know, now, now it's something that I can tangibly work on. It's not, you know, the feedback and, and this is something, you know, I try not to do either, but as leaders, sometimes it's easy for us to just say, Oh, you know, I want to offer you some feedback. Well, how about we offer some t- suggestions instead, um, in, instead of feedback, but we offer these things that tend to not be actionable. And then we're leaving our teams, our partners in this space where they're like, well, what, what does that even mean? Right. So trying to, when we're in this space to, to give feedback, trying to, to make it actionable, you know, and, and maybe it's not just a one sentence, maybe it's a, and by this, I mean that you could attack it this way. And we give suggestions on how they can activate it behind it. So I try to take it in that way. And I try to push it out that way as well. So good. So, <laughs> so, so good. All right. We could talk for hours. I think, um, go I think right well established. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into the final four questions. Right. So right. number one is what is your advice for women that they can implement today to level up tomorrow? Yeah. Um, my advice would be, be curious, um, get comfortable with asking questions when, when you're sitting there and, and you're taking information in, or you're in a meeting and you think you have all the information, push yourself to dig you know, within and, and get one or two, two more questions to ask, you know, I had a very hard time and I still do, um, asking questions. Um, but the more we have the ability to ask questions and ask them in a way that disarms people, um, the more benefit the entire group is going to have, um, you never know what you're going to uncover, you know, it starts to form this place of collaboration. So, so start training yourselves on that, um, I think the, the sooner, sooner, the better myself included, by the way, <laughs> where are you traveling to next? Yeah. Fun? Um, I'm going to Traverse city, Michigan, which, you know, no offense to the people of Traverse city, Michigan, they're all lovely, but you know, a lot of people say, oh, that sounds, you know, like you're going for fun. First of all, it's a beautiful place. And if you've never been, I encourage everybody to go. Cause I was blown away, but, um, I'm going to Traverse city in May. Um, we've got, uh, I belong to a network of aspiring leaders and they all happen to be women. Um, we belong to this group um, and we're all traveling up there in May um, for a handful of days to, to hang out, to do some executive training. And it's just a good time. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. That sounds so awesome. Fellowship of women yes. leaders from all across the country <laughs> coming together to just uh, crush it. (laughs) What is your pump up song? Oh, the pump up song. So this is funny actually, and timely because my oldest daughter just started playing travel softball. And, um, my husband was trying to get her to pick up, to pick a walk-up song, if you will. So he's trying to push, we just had this conversation two days ago. He's trying to push like Metallica and Led Zeppelin. She's a 10 year old girl. She's like, "I, I don't understand. But to her credit, she did pick, um, 
Natural by Imagine Dragons, which I thought was pretty, pretty cool. Um, but I'm not going to go with that one. I'm going to channel my, my volleyball days uh, playing for Canisius College. Um, and I'm going to go with Eminem Lose Yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's making a huge comeback ever since the Super Bowl. I was, I, my kids were scared of me. It was great. <laughs> I, so real quick, yeah. funny story before I ask you the last question. So my mother-in-law, um, who's from upstate New York also okay. was just out here visiting us. And randomly she asked me, Emily, what did you think of the Super Bowl halftime show? No. <laughs> I was like, Sharon, it was amazing. I'm like, it was the best thing ever. I mean, yeah. you should have seen our party. Like everyone was jumping around the room and she was, she gave me this look and I'm like, what, you didn't like it? And she goes, I thought it was terrible. <laughs> I said, well, Sharon, with all due respect, <laughs> what Super Bowl halftime show was directed at me. Yeah. <laughs> You were supposed to like it. <laughs> and everyone, you know, five years older, five yeah. years younger than me, this was our jam. Like yeah. it was our rewind yeah. to either high school days or like early college where wow. M&M, Dr. Dre, Mary J. Blige, like it was bananas. M&M. It was, it was amazing. That that's the best story because I got a text from my mom that said, what is this? <laughs> Oh no, I'm going to put my phone down right now. I've got to focus. Yeah, got to focus. <laughs> uh, I love that. So finally, we had the Super Bowl halftime show of our dreams. We did. What we're saying. Yeah, I think it's a downhill slope. I don't know how they can top it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know either. And I've got new playlists on my phone. Yeah. Yes. Getting, getting pumped up by my old friend Eminem. So yes. I love that that is your song. Okay. Final question. And one of our favorites on leadership is female. What is your favorite quote? So my favorite quote, um, it's a popular one. Um, it's by Maya Angelou and it's, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. That is, that's my absolute favorite. It just at the core, it just doesn't get any better than that. So what a perfect way to finish this episode where we <laughs> talked so much about empathy yeah. and how that can be a superpower in your uh, business toolbox. Yeah. yeah. Kind of makes sense now. <laughs> Full circle. So Good. perfect. Kelly, well, where can we follow along with you in your career? Yeah. Um, I am on LinkedIn. Um, I am on Instagram. I am happy to connect on LinkedIn. The, the more, the merrier. Um, you know, I, I'm always there. I should do a better job of updating uh, my LinkedIn profile, but um, that's probably the number one place to find me. Awesome. Well, it has been such a pleasure getting to know you. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us on the podcast, and we will be cheering for you and your success. Sounds good. Thank you so much. With that, let's get into the top four takeaways. Number one, to create a successful partnership pitch, you'll need two things, a thoughtful presentation that shows you've done your homework and flexibility in the partnership that can meet ever-changing business objectives. Number two, the ability for you to adapt and change is critical so that you can remain in a constant state of optimization. Number three, to create a successful partnership, you'll need these three things clear objectives, accountability, and empathy. And number four, to level up in your career, ask a lot of questions. Push yourself to dig. Ask questions in a way that disarms. 
Be curious and get comfortable in that curiosity. Thank you for listening to the Leadership is Female podcast. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time with this podcast today. If you like this episode, subscribe, share, and review. What can you do today to lead her forward? We will do our part to lead her forward because leadership is female. Thank you for joining us. This podcast was recorded and edited by Emily Jansen, public relations by Paige Hegedus, and distributed by Anchor FM.